Support for this podcast is provided by Smart Recruiters. Smart Recruiters enables hiring without boundaries by freeing talent acquisition teams from legacy applicant tracking software. Smart Recruiters Next Generation platform serves as a hiring operating system for over 4,000 customers like Bosch, LinkedIn, Sketches, and Visa. Companies with business critical hiring needs turn to Smart Recruiters for best of breed functionality, world class support, and a robust ecosystem of third party applications and service providers. To find out more, go to smartrecruiters.com. That's smartrecruiters.com. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 563 of the Recruiting Future podcast. This time last year, most of us hadn't heard of generative AI, but it's dominated our industry's discourse during 2024. The dramatic emergence of generative AI has illustrated how fast disruption is accelerating and has made us think deeply about the future of talent acquisition. Back in July, at Wreckfest, Tony DeGroff, Global Director of Hiring Success at Smart Recruiters, invited me to join him for a fireside chat about the potential impact of generative AI on talent acquisition. Even though three months is a long time in AI, this is still a very relevant discussion where we attempt to unpick what's happening and understand how AI shapes the future of talent acquisition. So I'm Tony, Tony de Graaf, really Dutch last name. I work for Smart Recruiters, uh, live in Italy. I head up our global strategy consulting practice. I'm with them for four years almost. Um, Actually, it's my first non-recruiting job in my life. I always was a classic recruiter career, right? You go to school and what you want to be when you grow up is a recruiter said no one. So same for me. I ended up in agency jobs, did uh, all types of agency uh, recruitment jobs, then went to in-house, headed up recruitment for multiple fashion brands in Europe and for one of the largest e-commerce companies in the Netherlands, where I bought and implemented my third ATS. can make a small educated guess which one that was. Rest is history, and now I'm here. So nice to uh, see you all, and uh, Matt. Thank you. Um, well, thanks for coming to the, to the last session. I know the, the bar is probably calling loudly, loudly outside. I'm Matt Alder. I'm the host and producer of the Recruiting Future podcast. I, I think I have the best job in the world because I get to talk to heads of TA, thought leaders, people who are doing really interesting things in the industry from all over the world to really find out what's going on in the crazy world of TA at the moment. And as we know, it's kind of pretty crazy. So I get to kind of listen to all of the, all of the opinions and all the voices that, that are out there. I've been doing interviews all day, asking people about, um, you know, the sort of the topics that we're talking about. So great to be here and uh, yeah, great to be in this chat. Yeah, and I think that is uh, directly a good hook uh, to start off a first question, right? You, you've been talking to a lot of the speakers here on stage, but also to, uh, to others catching up to uh, people you haven't seen in a while, right? That's the entire purpose of a festival slash event. But is there something for you that really stood out? Like what is a, a big team that seems to not, you can't, can't escape from? So 
I think what we've learned today is if you put the word chat GTP on anything, <laughs> millions of people come flocking. Yes, so, um, the tent know, was it's full. It's like standing room only, so write it on the, write it on the tent. And, and that actually kind of resonates with the last few events that I've gone to. So I think there is so much interest in how AI is really kind of changing our industry. And I think also a lot of interest, a lot of excitement, but also a lot of trepidation in terms of where is this going? What does this look like for our careers? What does this look like for our teams? What's it like moving forward, really? And I think that I think the one thing we've also learned today is that no one really has the answers to no. any of those questions, which is why there's such an interest. And I think it's why it's also important to have to have these conversations, to learn from people who are experimenting with these these crazy technologies, and and really move forward from there. And I think the the thing about the thing about AI at the moment is we just have to think about where it's going because has everyone used chat gpt everyone's used it um yes cool roughly isn't it isn't it really annoying (laughs) isn't it just like the most annoying interface um and kind of really (laughs) difficult to use and i think that is the that's the bit where complacency can come in because you kind of you 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 listen to the hype and then you kind of look at it and think actually this does some amazing things but it's very very difficult it's very very difficult to use And I think what we've got to think about is, well, actually, what does the interface for this kind of technology look like in three years' time, in five years' time, in 10 years' time? How are all the vendors all around the field and you yourselves, you know, all the other vendors are out there, how are they embedding large language models and things like that into their technology? And what impact does that have on on my team and what I do? So I think that's that's the interesting thing. It's this curiosity for the future and no one necessarily has the has has all the answers yet. Yeah, it feels like exciting times. It's it's almost like that the internet really became larger and bigger and the impact on the recruitment, right? A lot of the work was operational shifting manually to resumes, walking downstairs every day, getting the post and looking at the resumes. There's literally a big part of the job, right? It's not also that we thought we're going to be out of a job because all that manual work is going to go away, which was more than half of the job. And I think we're literally in at least the same level of exciting times. You think it's really hard to judge because you're in the middle of it, right? Is this bigger than the internet coming on and in terms of impact on a job or not? But I think it will have it will have tremendous impact. And I already saw that in the discussion that we just had. I don't know where people were, were here. The tent was so full because people really wanted to understand what it actually means for us, right? And what I noticed is that when the discussion really goes to one end of the spectrum or the other end of the spectrum, I think the the doesn't matter what's left or right. I see that I feel that it is really connected to how you see yourself and what you think the value is you bring to an organization. Literally, why do they pay me? If you have some not insecurities, I don't know if that's the right word, or doubts about what you do versus what ChatGTP can do, the, the conversation gets really fierce really fast, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think whenever you talk about taking people's jobs away and changing their careers and all that kind of thing, it's, it's, always, a very, it's always a very emotive subject. And I suppose there's a couple of things to say about that. The First of all, I, I heard a really good sort of quote about this the other day, and it was like, AI doesn't take jobs away, it takes, takes tasks away. And I think if what you have to think about is what are the tasks that are involved in my job and could AI take all of those tasks and therefore I don't have a job. So I think that's kind of one way to think about it. I think the other, the other, the other really important thing 
and I've not really heard this sort of spoken about today and that's because we're in a big field full of TA people talking about <laughs> TA but I think we just need to look sort of in the wider organisation as well you have to look at finance, sales, marketing, and just how technology's kind of brought those functions on and how they're adopting, you know, how AI is being adopted in other places in the, in the enterprise. Because I think understanding that, then that helps you understand the pressure that there will be on HR and TA in the future from the top of the organization to say, we have this, we have this technology, these functions are adopting it, they're doing all these kind of things, what are you doing? And I think that this isn't a voluntary thing that we can sit and ignore and say, do you know what, we'll just carry on the way that we carry on because pressure will come from other places. Um, Not even to mention the impact it has on the way that people look for and apply for jobs as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that will have, it will change tremendously. But if we already feel the pressure, I think you're right. I think if we already feel the pressure on what it will do for our jobs and what will we do on a daily basis, the answer, towards all the departments that we actually recruit for is is the same, right? So even everything that we know about hiring great marketing people and what makes great marketing people or what makes great finance people, that will fundamentally look different in a couple of years. And we need to be able to help our hiring community navigate that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, the turnover and the transfer of, of digital skills is phenomenal. And one of the interviews that I had to do on the podcast because I just felt compelled to do it and it's not, it's not been published yet, <laughs> be, out, be out in August is, is I have to have people come and talk about strategic workforce planning because yeah. to be 100% honest with you it's not a topic that I've delved into very greatly in the past but it just time and time again with all the people that I've interviewed we've talked about the almost this transparency between talent acquisition and talent management and understanding skills in the business and things like strategic workforce planning and and all those kind of things just to really understand the skills that businesses will will need in the future particularly when you've got this ever-evolving technology which we don't really know what it's going to look like tomorrow quite frankly so yeah. um, i think it's an interesting yes oh my god that gets me thinking about how do we actually do this because this is the entire journey from being that operational recruiter to becoming more that strategic partner to the business and I think what I just realized, literally just now, is that it, we all know that we need to do that, but the thing that we always comes to mind is we don't have time for that. We don't have time to implement proper structured interview. We don't have time to really be that business partner because we need to fill those roles. But the reason why we say we don't have time is to a large chunk actually connected to a lot of operational stuff which ChatGTP could potentially do. So those reasons start to fade away that we don't have time for that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I said I'd quit him on stage, but I was talking to Nick outside. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, it's, his, it's his shirt. He just stands out. You have yeah. to point at him and say, look yeah, at that, that man with his that, shirt. That shirt. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, we were talking just about how AI can do huge amounts of stuff for you very, very quickly, produce 100 pieces of content or whatever it was we were, we were discussing in, in next to no time. And I think that it's really how can you leverage that to create that kind of space in your job. I think the best quote I heard about generative AI in the last couple of months came from, and I've forgotten his name, is a guy who founded Wired Magazine, Kevin Kelly, who described generative AI as it exists currently as a universal personal intern, basically. So it can do all this stuff for you and, and everyone's got access to it, which is the other thing as well. You know, if you're not using it, someone else is. 
but you still have to check its work. You can't, and I think that's where it's difficult to make that shift because we kind of look at that and say, well, do you know what? This is pretty good. It's pretty impressive. It's done that. It's not as good as a human can do. But we're still very, you know, very early stages, very, yeah. very early stages of this. There's a great podcast interview with Mark Zuckerberg that I, I can't remember where I heard it. I'll try and, try and remember. A couple of weeks ago, it's him sort of talking for two hours about AI and the metaverse and all that kind of stuff. But he talks about the, the large language model that Facebook have built, which I think is called Llama as you do but he was talking about how they're planning to kind of embed that in the whole facebook marketing ecosystem so if you're you're running a dog walking business in dundee it'll pick your audience for you it'll pick your creative for you it'll optimize it for you it'll run all of those kind of processes that traditionally you'd have to use an agency for or something like that so it kind of democratizes access to lots of things and i think that in the aspect of our professional careers we kind of really need to think about that and how we can harness that and become become more strategic because it opens the playing field up in, yeah. in so many so many different ways. A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi everyone, I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over 100 markets including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York, and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com pod. That's www.wonolo.com pod and take the stress out of finding workers. What I just uh, remembered is that LinkedIn actually changed their algorithm two or three weeks ago. So, um, but that's actually what you're talking about as well, right? So now, any social type of post that you do, because that was very booming in, uh, during COVID, right? Working from home and all these kind of more f- Facebook slash LinkedIn started to merge a little bit. All those posts don't work anymore. The, algor- the AI or the algorithm or whatever we need to officially call that technology behind uh, the judging of the post literally looks like, okay, in what industry are you in? You are in recruiting. Are you talking about recruiting? Are you challenging a certain thing? And do you actually have an opinion about that? And if you have that in the post, then it will go and explode. But if you just post something, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't flow as, as, as it used to be. Literally like a month, I think it's two weeks ago. If it's, a, if it's a, maybe even less. So you already see this happening, that we need to adopt our, our ways and strategies. Obviously, I posted on LinkedIn this morning that I was going to Wreckfest. Like, oh yeah, it's here, we're coming. And just like these standard texts, not super exciting, not a strong opinion. A few pictures and I'm in a taxi on the way here with a picture of the weather. I got a whooping 16 likes, right? And last week I, I, I posted something about a, wouldn't it be great if we, ha- if we have like this app store, but for recruiting and you say, I need help to build a DNI strategy in Australia. You click enter and bam, you see every type of organization that can actually help you do that. 
that thing exploded and had over 200,000 impressions, uh, 400 likes and everything. So the difference is echt incredible. At the same LinkedIn profile, five days different. So we already need to start to adapt ourselves to these AIs and language models, how they actually judge what we put out there. Yeah, and I think, I think that's quite an interesting point about change and how quickly change happens and how we can't rely on lots of things that we consider norms. And it's interesting because I've asked lots of people around the field, will a recruiter exist in 10 years time? And I think this is the, probably, the, probably the most biased group of people I could ask. Because <laughs> everyone said, yes, of, uh, yes, of course, said, I will have a job. Yes, of, right. yes, of course. And I think that the, the answer is that we can't, you know, I know that, I know Alin's got some very strong views on this, but, yeah. um, you know, we, we can't predict what's going to happen. It's difficult enough to predict what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone in 10 years' time. But what I think we can do is we can be, we could, it's about questioning everything. And I think that there are so many embedded things about recruiting that people don't question. So, you know, this is why we've still got CVs. This is why recruit, in many respects, recruiting runs the way it's run, you know, for, for, for hundreds of years. And I think that what's going to happen over the next few years is we're going to have to start challenging things that we've just taken for granted. Yeah. And I think it's kind of being aware of what those things are that's, that's really important. Now, some of them might stay, but I think there's no sacred cows about this. It's like everything Everything. Everything might change, and I think yep. having that mindset that appreciates that is 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 really the is is kind of really the best way forward. Yes, yes, yes. So without knowing the answer, being comfortable with the change, this actually leads back to the conversation and the statement about I made about Madman yesterday when we were talking. Uh, <laughs> that I do believe, right? So if you look, and I think I said it in my talk before as well. The, if you look at professions like sales, marketing, finance, etc., these professions are very old, right? And if you have your master marketing, maybe some of you do, most of the models you've learned are from the 80s, the 90s. Because then is the time when the books were written and everything was discovered and figured out. And we actually live in that exact time for recruiting. So I think we live in like the 50s and the 60s of marketing for recruiting, right? In 20, 30 years, we have figured this stuff out, how it really needs to go different. And then people will learn based on our experience and failures. So I yeah. think, yeah. And I think that there are these sort of three forces at play that are really sort of changing everything at the moment. And one of them is obviously the economy. We can't really ignore that. Technology is obviously you know, what we've principally been talking about, but also talent, how we think differently about talent. And watching some of the speakers on the stage today talking about moving from filling recs to being talent advisors to understanding the skills the business needs, predicting the skills that the business needs. The way we think about talent is changing, is changing as well. And when you put those three things together, you kind of get to, you kind of get to where we are right now. Yeah, and this, this is why I think if, we, if I need to answer this question straight out, I think, yes, recruiters will exist in 10 years. Depends on the definition of a recruiter. If you look at the exact job profile of, of most recruiters today, no, I don't think that will exist. Right? We, we are being forced to be propelled forward. We wanted to do it, we, we already know, for 10 years we're talking about, we need to be more data-driven. We need to do something with scorecards and competency-skill-based interviewing. We need to become a little bit more talent advisor. We, we've been talking about that, but it's very hard to actually make that change. And I think the upcoming big language models and chat GTPs might be that push in the back that we actually need to make that change, if you will, right? So in 10 years, I think that role exists because 
at the end of the day, there is an organization, and an organization, uh, there are humans in some capacity that work in there. We can also have an entire discussion what that actually means with the upcoming chat GTP, but let's assume there is a, there are groups of humans that clung together under a brand name. There need to be people that understand what humans do we have now, and to what degree are we actually able to achieve our goals, and people have careers and move on and leave, and there, there will always be this piece of attrition, so you need to be able to start to control and understand how this attrition works and improve that or work on that as well and, and then combine that with whatever the organizational goals are and understand what the skills and competency gaps are that we have today that we're going to have in two or three years. And then if we, that's all on the inside, and then yeah. I turn around in the triangle and I look to the outside world, where and how am I going to get the, those skills and competencies in? And is that specifically uh, hiring and recruiting people? Maybe not. Maybe we, we, we move way more to, to a gig, gig economy type of form. But still, then you are responsible to get those skills and competencies in so a company can achieve a certain goal. What the format will be in terms of what your role description is or classic recruiting or is it perm, interim or... I kind of don't care about that. Yeah. But that solving that problem yeah. for groups of people that work together and name it an organization, I think that still exists. But I think that is where our profession is heading. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. I think it's like that balance of how does a company get the skills that it needs to do what it needs to do. And, you know, some of those skills are AI driven. I think that's the other interesting thing. I think the other thing about this is it feels like we've been here before because I'm, I'm sadly old enough to remember standing up on stages. Do, do I my, remember? You uh, think? I don't know. <laughs> <Maybe not. laughs> you know, standing up on stages in, I don't know, or 1999. And, you know, people would stand up then and say, the internet is going to kill recruiting as we know it. And by 2003, there'll be no recruitment agencies left um, yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And then social media came along and everyone stood up. The, same, the same people actually stood up and said, you know, said the same thing. This is going to change everything and all this sort of stuff. And it, it has to a certain extent, there's been a there's been a kind of a slow evolution, and I think that's what we're still facing. We're facing an evolution. I think if you remember back to about February, when ChatGPT was all anyone talked about, apparently we'd all be out of a job by March. So that's kind of been and gone. So hopefully we're getting through the the hysteria and the hype that always comes with with new technology, particularly in the world of social media where everyone wants to do stuff. If I see another social media post that says if you're not using AI, you're falling behind. Please buy my ebook. Just it'll just do yeah. my head in. So, but what I think we're going to get is I think we're going to get evolution faster. So I think all of the things that we've talked about mean that yeah, there will be still there will be recruiters in ten years' time. But what they do and how they work will probably be be more different than it was ten years ago. That's that, that's the only prediction I'm I'm nailing up and actually making. Yeah. It's, um, it's because fake I think enough. if you went ten years yeah. before that, yeah. It hadn't actually changed that much. Basically. No, we just digitalized the way that we did paper recruitment. Yeah, that's that's I think basically the only big change. And I think this again, I think we're living in the most exciting times right now because now we have to, we have to, right? And it's also with uh, because if we don't innovate and find new ways to actually attract talent and and get them for our jobs, other companies will. Right, and, and, and there are way more different tools that are upcoming and uh, there are organizations that are ridiculously successful filling retail kind of jobs focused on the use using TikTok and all these things and they're running circles around 
classic classic big retailers with big names that are already around for decades. I think the other the other force that we kind of need to think about, which you've t- touched on a little bit, is the talent and the candidates themselves in terms of how they apply jobs, how they use AI, yep. you know, and how that kind of disrupts everything. And I think there's a thing where if you say, right, we've got all these candidates, they're using AI, they're, it's writing their CVs, it's auto-applying for them. Oh my God, the, the world's collapsing, it's terrible. It's like, well, they're, it's like, who's to blame for that? Is it the candidate? Probably not, because they're just being resourceful. Is it AI? Well, it is, but we can't change that. Or is it our recruitment process? And it's always going to come down to, it's the process because you can't change the other two things. They're yeah. just forces that are, um, that are going to continue. And I think that, I think in the short term, it's interesting that people are putting in technology to detect AI and all this kind of stuff. But to me, that just feels like short-term fixes. I think yeah. that ultimately the pace of the technology is going to run ahead of that. And that means we need to think differently about how we hire. And in the context of everything you said about everything we said about skills, it makes perfect sense that this should be when we we're rethinking it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, and I think that's kind of put my mind at ease a little bit. I think is that the um, all the pressing issues or the things that now start to move and in my eyes become a little bit insecure. We don't know what to do. For me, it are always the same topics that we all if we're very honest to ourselves, already know that we needed to change over the last decade, right? Why are we still using resumes to hire white-collar people? Or why are we in, in, in operations and retail? It's already proven. But if you hire a bus driver, what does it matter what that person did for the last 10 years, right? So I think the first wave that is going to come, and I don't think we're going to look need to look or can actually look a lot further, is that all those challenges that we intrinsically already know that we need to change now actually slowly have to change or change faster. So that put my mind at ease, like, okay, we got at least we got enough to do for the next year, two years, <laughs> three years. Don't I worry think, about it. And I think the other thing as well is, so I do two podcast episodes a week. This is not an advert for podcasts. I'm just, I do two podcast episodes a week, which means I speak to lots of people. And what becomes really clear, and it's become clear today as well, no one has the answers to this. No. And no one is doing it in a kind of a perfect way. And I think that... Lots of people are kind of looking for those perfect examples and they just do not exist. Even companies who are adopting some of these things, they're still experimenting. They're still innovating. We've also got a massive kind of thing coming over the the horizon in terms of ethics, compliance, legislation, all of these kind of things. And it's like, I've got a podcast into coming out next week with a chief people officer. And we were talking about how can you keep that momentum of innovation going when you've got all this kind of compliance and and legislation and all this kind of stuff coming down the line, particularly if you work in HR, which is traditionally would run a mile from anything that that did that. And I think that's a challenge. Um, That's a challenge moving forward as well. Yeah, definitely. Chat GTP and GDPR. GDPR, or how do you say that? Chat GTP is not GDPR proof. Simply put, right? Uh, Because the moment you realize you, you, you can put a resume of a person in there, but you have to clean it up all ident- personal identifiable information like name, email address, phone number. You have to take it out because the moment you click enter, it's in the chat GTP algorithm forever and you can't take it out anymore. Right? So that it, is very co- it is very attractive to use it. I've used it myself as well to see how can, well can it match. Obviously, I use public data of LinkedIn profiles, so only data that already existed out there. But there are so many things that we want to try, but we can't. We just have to wait for the, for the, for the legislation and then, yeah experiment, 
carefully, I would yeah, say. But exactly. I wouldn't wait. I wouldn't wait for the legislation because then you're already three 0 behind. But there is so much we can do before. Before, right? if you have a candidate, you have an application, just that data that has no personal information, plus maybe a motivational letter, plus feedback from an interview, plus the job description that you have. Say, give me a scorecard for the next interview to determine if this candidate is well, good or not. Bam. And you get very good information from JetGTP that you can already use. So there, are, there is so much we can do. And I think that's what we need to focus on as the world around us evolves and finds a place with JetGTP. I'd be really interested in views from, yes. views from everyone sitting here. Does anyone have any strong thoughts or views or questions or complaints? Yeah. <laughs> or are we talking gibberish? Is also or anything, anything like that? Anyway, okay, got, we got a question. We got a mic coming. We got a mic coming. If we jump 10 years ahead, what do you think it will look like? I mean, 10 years is a long time, but I think it's fair enough. We're saying in 10 years, so let's talk about 10 years' time. What do you think it will look like? Yeah, I think, I think that in my mind, that is pretty close to the description that I, that I gave, right? So the classic role, if, if we take all our position descriptions, I don't, I don't think they will exist exactly like that. I think what I think recruitment, TA, talent acquisition, whatever our profession is moving towards is more like a head of talent and how does an organization manage uh, uh, the talent that they have, make sure that they're satisfied and how do, we, how, how do you work on filling the gaps that exist? Literally, I try to explain it that vague, so then that's way more a head of talent role, not a recruitment or talent acquisition role, just acquiring it, so more head of talent, because it's more around managing all the human experiences in and around your organization. I think it, it moves more in that direction, so you get more that split between HR, more HR operations, right, and then running the HR calendar, and that it could very well be that the function house, the salary house, the L&D, and all these kind of things, maybe in a matrix organization, maybe direct, start to report to a head of talent that starts to solve the wider people challenges of the organization, if you will. That is what my gut feeling lies, but Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a, a real kind of helicopter view on this because I think 10 years time, 2033, trying to do my maths there. <laughs> I think what it looks like is a skills crisis because if you think about the people who are going to be entering the workforce in 10 years' time, so they're currently at primary school. I have a son at primary school and the education that he is receiving and the skills that he's learning from the 50s, they're not anywhere, anywhere <laughs> like where we're going to need to be in 10 years' time. And I think there's a really interesting report that the Scottish Government commissioned a few weeks ago which looked at Scotland in 10 years time in terms of skills so it said as a country it's moving towards renewable energy and life sciences and things like that if you look at the skills ecosystem through university training within companies training within schools it's so off kilter to where it needs to be so I think that there is a massive role for anyone working in talent in 10 years time to solve that problem because just, and it's every country, not every country in the world, but it's certainly in this country, I, I think it's a, huge, it's a huge issue. Good, thank you for that. I think we're at time. Thank you so much for being with us for the last session. Thank Applause you. for Matt. Thank you. My thanks to Tony and all of the team at Smart Recruiters. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future.
You can find all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast, and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. Thank you.